like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, and welcome like to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are excited to have you here today. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you go over... Mate, we're going to make sure to go over some of the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. But most importantly, you got to make sure you are following and are subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and or Spotify accounts. If you have an Android... Just make sure you have Spotify and you have an iPhone or something Apple. Download the Spotify app to go along with your Apple Podcast app. You can follow and subscribe and do whatever on both of those as well. And you can leave a rating out of five stars. I would greatly appreciate that if you did, just as long as you leave a description down below on how you, why you feel the way you do. And you can also go and check out the LoganBlymanShow.com. You can go and, go and check out blog posts on there as well as links to the podcast and all a bunch of different links there as well. Just go and check out LoganBlamanShow.com. Just get get some more traffic to the website. I would greatly appreciate that. Now I'm I'm weird. Like, I'm I'm kind of like mixed feelings for today's episode. I'm very mixed feelings about today's episode, and I'll tell you why here in a little bit. But I'm a little also I'm a little thrown off by my days because of the fact these past two Monday editions of the Logan Blatman Show have been recorded on a Saturday. So it's been throwing off every single day this week because I usually have a nice little structure. Sunday, then Monday. Record Sunday, post Monday. Record Tuesday, post Wednesday. Record Thursday, post Friday. Saturday, Sunday. What, or Sunday, fr- Saturday, fun day. Whatever. And you're sitting there and you start recording on a freaking Saturday. And then you're like, well, the show should get posted tomorrow, shouldn't it? No, no. It's going to get posted on Monday. So that's kind of screwed up a lot of things in my, you know, mental clock, which already wasn't that great anyways. But I do hope you enjoyed Saturday, Monday's, I did almost did it there, Monday's edition of the Logan Blattman Show, which featured Justin. It was his first ever appearance on the Logan Blattman Show, so let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Greatly appreciate Justin being on. He has done a lot of stuff in regards to liking and following stuff on Facebook. He's also done a few Twitter posts as well. He's bought and merch. Out of all my supporters, he's definitely up there as one of the top guys out there. I've known him for a few years now. We went to William Penn together, as you heard on that Monday edition of the Logan Blamet Show. We did a tier list. We did all sorts of stuff on the show. We didn't talk a lot of sports on Monday's edition of the Logan Blamet Show. But either way, I think the show still went well. I think the show still worked out rather nicely. I think it went well. It was about an hour and a half long. It went good. It went good. I was kind of his Jamie for a little bit with the Joe Rogan experience. And I, w- I was sitting here last night. We were watching the Miami Heat take on the the Denver Nuggets. We saw the Denver Nuggets win their first ever NBA championship. So we'll give it a few more round of applause around here. Give more round of applause around here. But I was sitting there last night watching that game. And I bring up the Joe Rogan experience. I don't think I've ever actually listened to a full episode of the Joe Rogan experience. I see clip. I get hounded with YouTube shorts of the Joe Rogan experience on my YouTube account every other every single day. Because it's like, I don't swear by YouTube shorts, but I watch a lot of YouTube shorts just because I go on the YouTube app a lot. I have the TikTok app TikTok app because remember, we did start a TikTok, but we posted one video. It was about Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, and then that's been pretty much it. And we had to delete it because it got copyright strike because the music that we thought was copyright free turned out to have a copyright on it, which is very fun, which is very fun. But I was sitting there last night, I was like, man, I don't think I've ever actually listened to a show like this. 
But again, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. You have Nikola Jokic solidifying himself as one of the greatest centers of all time. Two MVPs, finals MVP, and most importantly, a championship. Great stuff there. We're going to have two number 15s in the Raptors in Denver. The two greatest players in Denver Nuggets history both wore the number 15 in Carmelo Anthony and Nikola Jokic. And it's crazy just to think about allowing a random second rounder to follow in the footsteps of, again, you're probably your greatest ever player in Carmelo Anthony, at least the most exciting player. Maybe some hardcore Denver Nuggets fans would disagree with me on that. But just having a second rounder who was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial, you'd let him wear the number 15. Like I've, I was brought this up to Jared, who again has been on the show before, big Vikings fan. It's like letting Irv Smith wear the number 84 for the Minnesota Vikings. It's like letting a second-round tight end wear arguably your greatest ever player's number in Randy Moss. I know there's a lot of great players in the history of the Minnesota Vikings. They're one of the most winningest franchises in NFL history in regards to regular season win totals and win percentage and all that stuff. No Super Bowls to show for it. We read that off a few weeks ago about going over the Minnesota Vikings and where they rank in regards to the rest of the NFL in regards to win percentage versus championships and stuff like that. But it's just stuff like then you have people in, down in Atlanta with, with people wearing the number 21 after Deion Sanders. Like, you can make the argument now that you could say Matt Ryan might go down as the greatest Falcon ever, but the greatest player to ever play for the Atlanta Falcons is undoubtedly Deion Sanders. Undoubtedly. There might be some people that say Julio Jones, but no. Deion Sanders is widely considered, and rightfully so, to be the greatest defensive back of all time. And the conversation about defensive backs in the history of the NFL is basically Deion and then anybody else. Like, the next best corner in the NFL was whoever was next to Dion because they got a lot of action. Look at Larry Brown. Larry Brown got two interceptions against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Got a massive contract with the Raiders, never did anything after that. Deion Sanders was not getting that action. Deion Sanders was not getting thrown to at all, especially not by Neil O'Donnell, who did not have the facilities to even challenge Deion Sanders. He might have thrown four interceptions if he even looked once at Deion Sanders. That's how great Deion Sanders was. But I always think that's really interesting. But Jokic has more lived up to that hype, and you can even say, oh, I think it's, you know, you got the nostalgia critics out there that would love to say Carmelo Anthony's the greatest player in Denver Nuggets history, but no, it's not anymore. Not anymore. This is pre-Jokic, it was true, but now, no. Nikola Jokic is the greatest Denver Nugget of all time, and we're talking about a top 10 center in NBA history. A guy that's just so nonchalant about every single thing he does, it's, like, it, like weirdly relatable I, I can understand why some people out there might get slightly annoyed by the whole thing, but the guy just wants to go home. <laughs> he won the championship last night, and he's like, I get to go home. And then during the press conference, he was like, I get to go home, job's done, all that stuff. And they're like, yeah, you need to stay for Thursday because that's when the parade is. And he just put his head in his hands. He's like, I done, I'm done with work. I want to have a nice little vacation. I want to have a nice little vacation. I want to time myself. Like, the dude just led the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists doing it in the most nonchalant way I've ever seen it done, ever. And last night, during the Nuggets heat game, we were treated to, like, a finals that we'd see back in the 90s, early 2000s, which is how low scoring it was. It was like, I don't remember the exact final, but the Heat didn't have over 90, which just feels so odd in today's NBA. It feels insanely odd, just because of how great the offensive players are. You could say it's lackluster defense, but the players are just so much more offensively gifted that it's it's just crazy. It's crazy to think, like, just having that scoreline was like, man, this is, they're not going to break 100. When you had that realization that they're not going to break 100, it kind of t- put you back a little bit. <laughs> but it was still a really fun finals, even though everybody going into the finals kind of knew what was going to happen. 
like Brady, when Brady was on the show, we said the Nuggets in five. I think most people out there thought the Nuggets would win the series in five. I don't really think there was anybody, even the maybe even the most diehard Heat fan, that honestly thought the Miami Heat were going to win this series. That honestly thought, like if the the truest sense of the word, they didn't think the Miami Heat could win that series. They were up three nothing against the Celtics. They blew the lead. They are, now, of course, they won the series, which is the most important thing involved there. But you blow a 3-0 lead, almost blow the series, and then you come into a final series. You got a game in there. You did get a game in there, but the Nuggets were just too powerful. I, I, I don't like wording things like this, but the Nuggets were just too powerful for the Denver, for the Miami Heat in that game. Like, you look at some of the players that stepped up for the Heat in the Eastern, the Eastern Conference Finals, like Struss, like Caleb Martin, like Gabe Vincent. We didn't see those types of performances at all in the NBA Finals. Bam Adebayo played really well in the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler didn't really play that great at all in the NBA Finals, especially early on in games. He would get you know get things going as the game progressed, but early on in those games, you look at his points per game total, I'm pretty sure his numbers in the Finals were lower than every single round in the playoffs. And since that moment with him and Grant Williams, there wasn't really like, oh, he's taking over this game right now. I, at least I don't remember it. I could be wrong. I could be completely mistaken, but I don't really remember that being a thing this finals. Again, could be wrong. Do I think Jimmy Butler's a Hall of Famer? I think that's a, definitely a conversation to be had. You look at some of the other players in the, the Hall of Fame in the NBA right now and some of his numbers, the things that he's done, you look at the number of 20-plus point seasons he's had. You see the the LNBA team, like the, the defensive teams. You see two finals appearances. You see the all-star appearance. You see all that stuff. But there's different eras and stuff like that. Because you look at some of the numbers for quarterbacks in today's NFL and compare them to the numbers of other quarterbacks that are currently in the Hall of Fame that played like the 60s and 70s, you're like, man, this guy's definitely a Hall of Famer. It's not that easy. So it's definitely a conversation to be had. It's definitely a conversation, but I don't know if I'm ready to stamp down that approval of Jimmy Butler is definitely a Hall of Famer. I think there's a very good argument to be made for that. I think there's a very good argument to be made for that, but I'm just not, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready for that. We'll need to see. We'll need to see. I think what he did this playoffs was very impressive in regards to leading said Heat team that had, uh, I don't know if you watched the games or heard the broadcast, but they brought up that the Heat had a bunch of undrafted players like every single time they shot the ball, whether it was Duncan Robinson, whether it was Gabe Benson, whether it was Caleb Martin, Max Struss, who the ever it was. They're like, oh, duh, look at the undrafted points that the Miami Heat have scored in this series. Or this, play- this playoffs. Ridiculous stuff. But congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. I... Do I, I didn't really care. I, I say this all the time. I never really have, once my team gets eliminated, I don't really cheer for anybody in particular. I wanted this matchup. I wanted the Heat versus Nuggets. But it once it got to this point that the Nuggets and Heat were going to play, it really didn't hurt my feelings on whoever won the NBA Finals this year. I like Jimmy Butler a lot. I love watching Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets were just the better team. And I'm perfectly content with the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship. The first one in their franchise's history. Again, this is a team that's been around for quite a while. And this is their first ever NBA championship. They've been around for, what they say, 46 years? And this is their first NBA title. It's kind of crazy to think about. But now, I know that's not as long as some teams in the NBA. It's not as long as, like, the Celtics or the Lakers or teams like that. But it's still a decent amount of time. Pretty sure they've been around the NBA longer than the Heat have. And the Heat have, what, four finals? or Four championships? Three championships? I think three. I think three. Because Wade won one with Shaq, and then he won two with LeBron and Bosh. So I think there's three in there. I think there's three championships. But I think the Heat, when did the Heat get founded? I guess I'm not 100% sure when the Miami, which team was founded first, the Heat or the Nuggets? 
Because I where the Heat? I my mind's telling me the Heat were in like the eighties is when they first kind of became a thing. Yeah, nineteen eighty eight was the the Miami Heat. I mean, you don't need to do the insane math there to decipher that. That's less than forty six years ago. <laughs> the Denver Nuggets they became an NBA team in nineteen seventy six, twelve years before the Heat. And the Heat again had three NBA championships up to this point. They've been to multiple finals. The Nuggets made their first ever finals appearance this year. Like, the Heat have three championships. That's not including the finals that they've made throughout the years as well. They went to two finals with Jimmy Butler. Like, they've they've been to a lot of NBA championships, and they've been around for 12 less years in regards to being an NBA team than the Denver Nuggets have. It's just crazy, but it's a cool final. It's a cool team. I love it. I love seeing all this stuff. Like, I watched a clip of the the Boston Celtics reporters before the draft, before Nikola Jokic got drafted, they were going to trade the third overall pick, which was eventually Jalen Brown. And they're like, what, we're going to get Jokic for this? Nikola Jokic and the guy that just, you know, just carried his team. I, I say carried. He, I th- yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. He had a lot of help. Like Jamal Murray, great player, great playoff player especially. And you had like guys like Bruce Brown. Christian Brown played really well as the series went on, which Christian Brown pissed me off. Because his name is spelled Braun, but he's Christian Brown. I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Where is he from? Where is he from? He's from Kansas. Okay, we can't really hold a lot of what they say over there in Kansas. They're bored over there. So they see a name that says Braun, and they're like, "Ah, you know what? That's Brown. That's Brown. That's Brown. We got to switch it up a little bit. We're so boring over here. We got nothing going on. People make fun of Iowa. You need to go to some of the other states that are next to Iowa, like Kansas and Nebraska. I was talking to Tom about this. I don't know if you have mentioned Tom on here before. Well, yeah, we did the picks for Tom back in college football season. But Iowa, low-key, kind of shits on the rest of the Midwest. Low-key. Very low-key. It's a one of those hot takes that you'd have where you're talking to your friends and you're, like, drinking a few beverages and you just all of a sudden just say something completely off the cuff. And you're like, you know what? I think Iowa kind of shits on every other state in the Midwest. And we're talking about Minnesota, we're talking about Illinois, we're talking about Missouri, we're talking about Nebraska, we're talking about the Dakotas, if you want to count them, because they're relatively close. Then we're looking at Kansas. Like, what? There's no state in there. Indiana? Like, these, like, trash-ass highways, first of all. That's the main thing we're looking at here. And there's some people out there who go, there's no professional sports team in Iowa. But, hey, we are the minor league capital of the United States of America. So put some damn respect on the state of Iowa. <laughs> uh, I really wish like Tyrese Halliburton or not Tyrese Halliburton, um, Div- uh, Morris, Monte Morris or George Niang were playing in this finals. Make it a little bit more interesting. So we could say an Iowa guy was at least playing in the finals. They're not from Iowa, but you know, you can count them. They went to a school in the state of Iowa in the university of I- or I- university of Iowa state. I hate that's, I hate when people say Iowa University. I got that a lot at William Penn because there, there were, obviously you're on a football team in college, so you've got people from all over the country on your team. Weirdly, down in Oskaloosa, weirdly you've got a lot of people from around the country on your team, and they don't really know Iowa, or they've obviously heard of them, big-time college football program, but saying Iowa University, it, it just sounds weird. I just said University of Iowa State. That just sounds weird. It sounds very odd. And I, I'm not a massive fan of it. I'm not a mass fan of it. Now, with the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship, and I said before, I didn't really care who won the finals between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. I like both teams. I have no real beef with either one of them. The only time I really had beef with the Miami Heat was when 
the Bulls and Heat met in the Eastern Conference Finals, Derrick Rose MVP year, and the Bulls went up one nothing in the series. They put LeBron on D Rose, and the series ended at five. That's the only time I've really had any real disdain for the Miami Heat. I didn't even really dislike the Heat just because LeBron was on there. I know a lot of people out there did, but the, LeBron going to the Heat didn't really bother me. It was just it was fun to watch him and Wade and Bosh play with play with each other. It was just fun to watch. He should have gone to Chicago. Him and Wade should have been in Chicago. Like you look at what that Miami Heat team was. Here's another, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, because we'll never know if it happens. We can prove Iowa's the better state or the, the rest of the Midwest, but you look at, like, I remember going to gas stations and seeing pictures of LeBron and Wade with Bulls uniforms on during that offseason. And it, I don't know how likely it was back then, but you look at that team, that Bulls team, that lost the Eastern Conference Finals, that Heat team, that Bulls team, if they added LeBron and Dwayne Wade, they're better than that Miami Heat team. They're just overall better than that Heat team. Like, Joe Kim Noah and Derrick Rose are already massive upgrades. I mean, MVP Rose. Now, who knows if Rose would have won the MVP that year if LeBron and Wade are on the team. Who the hell knows if that's going to happen? Because that screwed some Cubs pitchers out of winning Cy Youngs because if you have multiple candidates for Cy Young on the roster, you can't win Cy Young. Like, that makes any freaking sense. But that's what happened. I think Kershaw won the Cy Young that year because it was Hendricks, Arietta, and Lester were all Cy Young candidates. None of them won. Stupid. Stupid stuff. But Rose and Noah, insane upgrades over Mario Chalmers, Norris Cole, Joel An- Joel Anthony, Udonis Haslam. For how many people love Udonis Haslam down in Miami? He just finally ended his career. Who else did the Heat have on that team? As, like, point guard center options. Who else do they have? Am I completely blanking on some, like, really bad players? Because they didn't... Mike Bibby, I think, was on that team. He might have been a few years later, but he was down with the Heat at some point. Like, even the depth that the Bulls had. Like, Keith Bogans could come off the bench and lock people up. Keith Bogans started all 82 games for a team that won 62 games. Keith Bogans has never started 82 games in his career. I don't even know if he started 50 games up to that point in his career. He started every single game when Rose won the MVP. A team that went 62-10. and 10, 62-20, and 20, sorry. Number one seed in the East. And you're telling me... That wrote like if the if the uh, LeBron and Wade were on that team with Luol Dang, with Joakim Noah, with Derrick Rose, what kind of team we looking at here? Ronnie Brewer, Kyle Korver coming off the bench. We've already seen Kyle Korver and LeBron James play with each other. We wouldn't have at that time, but we've seen it now. Like oh my goodness, we're talking multiple championships. No more than t- more than two. We're not having LeBron shut off in the finals like he did against the Mavericks when they beat the Bulls in that Eastern Conference Finals. I was looking at the stats today. He averaged 17 points a game in that Finals. For LeBron James, that is insane. 17 points a game. 17. Craziness. I think that's probably what Aaron Gordon averaged in the Finals this year. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Hold on. I wanted to get their playoff stats up here. Points per game. Okay, no, Aaron Gordon averaged 13. But still, still, you're only four points above Aaron freaking Gordon and Michael Porter Jr.? Bruce Brown averaged 12. <laughs> this is kind of every single player for the Denver Nuggets, their starting five all averaged over 20 points. Average over 20. All averaged over 10 points a game. That's pretty cool, though. That's pretty cool stuff. But like I said, I wasn't cheering for anybody in this finals. Right now, I'm watching the, tw- the Stanley Cup final right now. It's game five. We have the Florida Panthers taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. I am very much 
cheering for the Florida Panthers. Very much cheering for the Florida Panthers. I have no issues with the Denver Nuggets. I have no issues, for the most part, with the Miami Heat. Loved watching D-Wade. I have issues with the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think it's funny how time has changed because I've been a hater since day one. Day doc of the Vegas Golden Knights. I have hated this team from the freaking jump. I hated this team before it was freaking cool to do. Now everybody hates them. Terrible franchise. <laughs> hate this stupid team. My hatred stems a little bit differently than other people's out there. Because other people don't like how this team was built. They don't like that they're playing in Vegas in front of a soulless crowd. It's sure, it's a fun atmosphere with the big bright lights and everything. But there is probably about 10 true Vegas Golden Knights fans in there. Everybody else there is either high on something, drunk as hell, or just having, hey, we're in Vegas. You know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? We're going to splurge on some Stanley Cup final tickets. I've only met, uh, no, I take that back. I met two Vegas Golden Knights fans in my life. And one of them is my good friend Kevin Russell, who has been on this show before. And he's from Nevada, so he became a Vegas Golden Knight fan, day doc. And with his hatred for the Chicago Blackhawks, which I guess there is a lot of things that the Blackhawks have done in the past besides what they've done on the ice, that is uh, definitely warranted for some hate, and the Knights just scored. And the Knights just scored. Mark Stone. Nice. Very cool stuff. But that was my main reason. One of my first ever Instagram posts is me wearing a Vegas Golden Knight shirt, and I explained that story with Justin when he was on on Monday. I hate the Golden Knights. Absolutely despise this franchise. Now, do I like some of the players? No! <laughs> I don't like any of them. Mark Stone's on my fantasy hockey team this year, but, you know, I think I think I dropped him halfway through the season. He got hurt. Now, speaking of my fantasy hockey team, oh, Alex Petrangelo's on this stupid team. Like, Jack Eichel is on this stupid team. Like, we can't, we're, we're loading up on here. But we bring up fantasy hockey. One of the people that helped carry my team to glory this year is not going to be able to help his team carry, carry, help carry his team to glory, at least for tonight. Wait, was that? What am I looking at here? Okay, no, 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 no. I I thought the... Wait, yeah! The night... Wow, they had a short... Is that a shorthanded goal I'm seeing here? That was a shorthand... Wow, I didn't even realize that. Flora was on a freaking power play and still got schooled. Mark Stone's like 80 years old. Schooled him. Absolutely flatlined Bobrovsky. But... Maddie Tuchuk is not playing this game. Matt and Brady were huge in carrying my team to a Stanley Cup final this year in regards to fantasy hockey. Massive players in that. And it sucks that he's not going to be in tonight because that could really be the end of the series for the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers were a little bit different, though, than the Miami Heat because they played some great... Like, they... Oh, we got another fast break. 89 miles an hour slap shot. Uh, yeah, saved by Bobrovsky. Can't go glove side on Bobrovsky. I guess Mark Stone did, but that's, that's, neither, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. But man, I don't even remember what I was really saying before that. I, my brain got all frazzled because I'm talking about the Vegas Knights possibly scoring. This has been a really bad like past couple days in regards to Logan watching sporting events while I'm recording a show. Jeez, Stone just stalled everybody. Dude slid right past Bobrovsky. 85-mile-an-hour slap shot there. Um... But we had the Champions League final on Saturday while we were recording for Monday's show. That was awful. Inter Milan should have won that freaking game. It sucks that that had to happen. Absolutely sucks that it had to happen. But, you know, it's whatever. Whatever. It's whatever. One nothing. Inter Milan's expected goals were two 
And they lost one nothing. Fun. Lukaku. Just like did in the World Cup. <laughs> I have no real issues with Lukaku. Played for Manchester United. I liked watching him at Everton. Liked watching him with West Brom when he had the dreadlocks and everything. But man, you gotta put some chances away, my guy. Damn, dude. <laughs> Come on. You could have kept Manchester City from winning the treble. Mateo Darmian. <laughs> Henrik Mkhitaryan. Romelu Lukaku. Could help Manchester United hold on to the treble and keep Man City away from doing that. And Jack Grealish has been on a freaking bender since winning the treble. They put him in a high, or I don't know if they put him in it or he put it on himself. He was wearing a high-vis jacket at the ceremony. Uh, the, oh, 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 what happened here? Is that a goal? Is that a goal for the Knights again? Yes, it is. We got 2 nothing Vegas. But Grealish was wearing a high-vis jacket or like a high-vis vest at the ceremony. I Either he put that on himself or they put it on so they couldn't lose him because that dude is on a fr- – he was in a wheelchair like yesterday. He's got to report to England duty. <laughs> he's he's going to have like an 18-day hangover. It's ridiculous. He's been going after it, absolutely after it. It's been funny to see, but, man, it just sucks that Man City had to get the inevitable treble. I, it was – no one really thought – like the Heat and the Nuggets, no one really thought Inter Milan was actually going to win the Champions League final this year. No one actually really thought that. I would love to say that I was sitting here like banging the table, like, yes, Inter's going to win, but no. No one really thought. Man for man, like Jack Grealish costs more than Inter Milan's entire starting 11. Like that's that's the levels that we're going at here in regards to how dominant one team could be in this game. And it didn't end up being that dominating win that everybody thought it was, including myself. Inter Milan played well. Inter Milan played well, and again, Inter Milan should have won. And it sucks that I'm sitting here watching again, watching a team I don't like potentially win a championship. And their first championship. Because what can I say at this point? I mean, even then. Because you can't really talk shit to a a guy who's had a team that's existed for six years. You can't do that. It's like, oh, you haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. Well, they've been to a, they've already been to a Stanley Cup. They were in a Stanley Cup their first year they existed. Because you can't really say anything. It's like they've been around for six years. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And you know what else is terrible? I absolutely hate this. I, I was hoping that this wouldn't get brought up again. I thought I was going to be dead and buried. I didn't think I was going to have to talk about it at all. But here we are talking about it again. Uh, the Stefan Diggs situation in Buffalo. If you want to call it a situation... Like, I don't really know what to say about this whole thing that hasn't already been said by everybody on social media because that's the beauty and the beast with social media, per se, because no one knows what's going on. Absolutely no one knows what's going on except for the people that are involved with the organization. No one apart from Diggs, McDermott, Bean, the Bills organization, even maybe Josh, knows what's going on with Stefan Diggs this offseason. No one knows about that. But... As we've seen throughout the offseason, it was kind of like, well, he's just being cryptic. He's just having fun on Twitter. He doesn't want people to read. He's want people to read too much into it because they know, like I just said, people are going to take it and run with it because they don't know what's going on. And if no news is bad news, we're not hearing anything. This must be bad. And we're sitting there, like all these links to Dallas. You've seen links to the, the New York Giants loosely, but the Bills can't trade him. They, they can't. They, there's too much money involved. They just restructured his contract, what, last offseason? He's got too much money in dead cap that they would absolutely financially cripple the Bills for the next two years. They're not going to trade him. They can't trade him. Whether he wants to or not, they can't trade him. But So I was never on the, like, 
oh, they're going to trade him. Oh, he's done. He's done. He's throwing a tamper tantrum, and he's done. And I was like, okay, we got OTAs coming up. He wasn't at voluntary camp. And I've said this throughout all the years of voluntary camp. If you're a veteran that has a well-placed spot in the roster, apart from the quarterback position, I could give a rat's ass if you are at OTAs. Or, like, not OTA, uh, the voluntary camp, like a month ago. I could absolutely care less if you're there or not. It's voluntary. You don't need to be there. If you're an established starter, like Stephon Diggs, I've heard a lot of players in the past, mainly running backs, that have said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to go to camp. Fair play. You don't need to. The only position I think is required to go, it's because, again, it's voluntary, but it's not voluntary at the same time for the quarterback position. You have to make an appearance there. For how hard you go, that varies, but you have to make an appearance there. So when he wasn't there, no, I didn't care. There were probably some people on social media that were freaking out about it. I didn't care. Never brought it up on here about it there. But today was the official start of mandatory OTAs. Mandatory camp started today. Every single player on the Buffalo Bills roster was at camp apart from one, and that was Stephon Dix. And I saw people on Twitter freaking out about it, again, because they can. That's the beauty and the beast of social media, because you can free, you are free to express your opinion whether it's right or wrong. And in a situation like this, you can't really hurt anybody in this situation, apart from make yourself look stupid or try to make yourself look a little bit smarter. There's really no win. There's no real win here. But what I saw a lot of today, in every single comment section, on every single post I saw, were Minnesota Vikings fans basically just saying, told you so, told you so. Oh, he freaked out, pretends to be shocked type thing. I saw Bill say, I brought this page up before, and I unfollowed it today because it started to piss me off. They're like the Doomsday Podcast. It was a Bills podcast, and they were like, but this is the Vikings' glory, uh, victory lap today. It's like, what? What? Okay, let's stop this. Okay, let's stop whatever this is. Again, I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to be worried about it. I think it's going to make things a lot more interesting. I'd like this thing to get solved sooner than later, but I'm not going to sit here and go, the world's burning, screw Stephon Diggs, hate him, never like the guy, go somewhere else, have fun. Don't care. Because, again, this is one of the greatest players in Buffalo Bills history. And you can say that's naive or whatever. When you look at the history of the Buffalo Bills and you're starting a team for their legacy on the Bills, for what they did on the Bills, Stephon Diggs is the greatest... Uh, okay. If we're talking about what they did, like, everything, in regards to accolades and everything, then you can make an argument for Andre Reid being the greatest receiver of Bills history. And rightfully so. I don't want to discredit Andre Reid at all. Hall of Famer, my dad's got his autograph, met him down in Kansas City. Seems like a great guy. Big-ass head, but seems like a great guy. Stephon Diggs is the greatest receiver in Bills history. And if you're starting a team, you are putting him and Andre Reid on the roster. James Lofton was the other guy I was thinking about. but And Eric Moulds is up there too. This is a guy that is a captain of the team that came in and was instantly a locker room, good, a good locker room presence. There was never anything that said, oh, this guy's bad news. I remember sitting on social media and talking to my Vikings friends, Jared and Noah mainly, and going like, man, thanks for sending Stephon Diggs. I hope Justin Jefferson gets pissed off as well and wants out, and the Bills can take him there. That's what I'm wanting. Jared still wants Stephon Diggs. Like, there's some Vikings fans that completely burned the bridge of Stephon Diggs. No one, Jared, to their credit, have not done that. There's moments in time where they look back at that and go, yeah, that was kind of annoying. But you look at what he did. He gave them the greatest moment in their franchise history, arguably. Arguably. In regards to the Minneapolis miracle against the New Orleans Saints. That might go down as the greatest play in Minnesota Vikings history. 
I can't think of a lot of other ones. I'm not a Vikings fan, so I can't speak for everything that involves the Minnesota Vikings, but to my knowledge, that's the greatest play that's ever happened in Minnesota Vikings history. Now, what followed after that, we will ignore. We will completely ignore what happened the game after that, but for that brief moment, Vikings fans experienced ecstasy. <laughs> that was the most beautiful moment in Vikings history. But seeing on Twitter today was just like, man, this is, why is this happening again? And I saw something earlier in the day that was like, he was there yesterday. He was there yesterday. But then I saw a clip of Sean McDermott today. People asked him about Diggs. And he was like, well, I'm not going to answer too many questions about it, but I'm very concerned. It's like, okay, world's on fire, Sean. Chill out here. You're very concerned. Why are you very concerned? And then they have Josh and Von Miller go up to the podium, and they're just doing nothing but singing the praises of Stephon Diggs. Now, I know there's a different relationship between a coach and a player because you're more friends with the players when you're a player. As a coach, they're more of like a mentor. Then you could see them, and sometimes you have a closer relationship with them, which is kind of what it seems like the main issue is. I'm going to go conspiracy theory hat. I'm going to go tinfoil hat on you real quick. So we did this kind of a little bit on sun, on Saturday with Justin, or a Monday show with Justin, going over some conspiracy theories. My conspiracy theory is why this is taking like this is the Bills' offensive staff. Not necessarily like mainly Ken Dorsey. I think that's a part of the reason why. Because you look at, he's brought it up before. You look at what he said during the Super Bowl week. When he went on, what did he go on? It was Dan Patrick or Rich Eisen. I can't remember which show it was. But he went on there. And basically, it was like, you look how dominant we were at the start of the season. What the hell happened? Why things changed so drastically? And I brought that up before, too. You look at those first two games of the season. They beat the Rams and the Titans the way they did. How many people out there thought they were going to lose a game the rest of the year? And when you said they might lose three games, you're like, okay, that's fine. But after that game, they never really looked like that dominant team that, looked, that we saw in those first two weeks. Like, I remember, so the Titans and Bills played the same night as the Eagles and Vikings. It was the same night. It was a Monday night doubleheader. First Monday night of the year. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say that. It was a doubleheader, though. And Jared came up for that. My dad was here. Andrew was here. Steve was here. We were all watching the games. The Vikings game was on the projector. And we were like, we know the Bills and Vikings are playing later this year. I'm watching the Bills absolutely rip the Titans a new asshole. And I'm watching the Eagles beat down the Minnesota Vikings. I would never have thought in 100 years that the that Vikings game that I watched would lead the they would beat the Bills. With the Bills team that I was watching versus um, to my left, I'm seeing that Vikings game. I'm not thinking team on the left is beating team on the right. And Jared was he kept going, we want Buffalo, we want Buffalo. I don't know how much he really believed that at the time. I don't think I don't know how much he actually believed that because that was a time where everybody's like the Bills are so dominant right now. And they lost to the Dolphins the very next week. I had a conversation with my dad. Like, I don't know if this team ever loses a game. You don't want to think like that, but, you know, those thoughts start creeping in your head when your team dominates the reigning number one seed in the AFC and the reigning Super Bowl champions. Like, your mind does that to you. Both on prime time. And maybe that's wrong. And it turned out to be wrong. But <laughs> that's not the point. The point was just how everything vastly changed. The offense just got so weird. The player selection was so weird. Like we were talking about after this Bengals game. One of the most embarrassing games I've ever watched. Like with expectations involved. Because like you could go back to that 2018 season, Josh Allen's rookie year, and see the games Nathan Peterman started. And you could point out a few games in that season alone that would go like, okay, that's pretty embarrassing. The Chargers-Peterman game. That's another one that you think of right away. But that game from this team has DeMar Hamlin. He's going to be in the stands. DeMar Hamlin's back. 
not playing, but he's back in the stadium. This guy died in the football field. He's back. And this is the team that played them. And you give that toothless-ass performance against the Bengals at home with little to no energy anywhere. Matt Milano called it out in the locker room after the game. Like, and I was like, we got to get get rid of the staff. get not, not whole staff, but get rid of the coordinators. Dorsey ain't it. And you have coordinators like Kellen Moore available. Eric Bieniemy's available. You have other options. But you don't go with them. You stick with Dorsey, which, again, I kind of understand because he was his first year. There's going to be ups and downs as a rookie year of an office coordinator and stuff like that. But Leslie Frazier, I was like, yeah, I lo- you've done awesome in the regular season. Gone. I don't. I th- thanks for what you did in the regular season, but the past few playoff prefer- performances on defense have d- the Bills' best chance of winning a Super Bowl, ironically, was their lowest winning total in the last three years. Because that was the year they lost the Chiefs in the 13-second game. That team, I think if that team beats the Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl. I don't think that, I think the only team that was beating the Chiefs was that Bills team. And that, play, well, I shouldn't say that because the Bengals beat the Chiefs. And I know it's like, hey, you got the team that lost the Chiefs. Yeah, they'd beat the team that the Chiefs lost to. But I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. And I word that really wrong because I know the Chiefs lost the next round. But I don't think the Bills lose that game. And I know that's weird to say now because the Bengals beat the Bills this year. But I don't think they do. That Bills team does not lose that game. And that, again, playing prevent defense with 13 seconds left when the team's got three timeouts at guarding the sidelines. The middle of the field's wide-ass open. Kelsey even pointed it out. I was like, yeah, done. So it was frustrating to watch that team that looked so dominant, looked so shit, but still win games. Like, you're still winning, but it's not convincing. And once you get to the playoffs, you're like, wow, this is bad. This is not very fun to watch. This is not a team that is going to go on and win the Super Bowl. You're sitting there like that. And Stephon Diggs is right to call that out. Stephon Diggs is right to be pissed off at the offense for sucking complete ass against Cincinnati Bengals. And you have Isaiah McKenzie coming out a couple weeks ago saying, like, if we had a dome, we would won that game. The whole point of playing in Buffalo is that you have a home field advantage. The Bengals are playing in the exact same situation. And I don't think a dome, if anything, the dome makes the game worse. Bengals beat you like that with bad conditions. What are they going to do to you when they have better conditions with no actual conditions apart from 75 degrees air conditioning? Like, what? that's the bad thing about that. <laughs> Man, look even softer than what they already were, what they were perceived to be. Now, everybody's against the Bills this year. But the move that, you know, changed a lot, that I think affected Diggs a lot, is Chad Hall. So, we talk about wanting Ken Dorsey gone, understanding why they brought him back. Wanting Leslie Frazier gone, he left. Not fired, he stepped down. He's going to try and coach next year, I guess, but he's he stepped down. Chad Hall was the receivers coach. And I'm pretty sure Chad Hall went down to the Dolphins? I think that's where he's at now. Yeah, he's down. No, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, sorry. He's wide receiver coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know how many people out there know this. I don't think there's a lot of people that do because if you're not a fan of a specific team, you don't know the ins and outs of the relationship between the players and coaches. Most of them. You might be able to tell me something about Chad Hall or about some other coach on the Bills I'm not even familiar with. Who knows? But the relationship, what I do know, the relationship with Chad Hall and the receivers on this team was second to none. Like, they bought this dude a whole freaking truck for a Christmas present. Like, they loved this dude. And what I think the problem that lies here is not necessarily Chad Hall leaving. It's that Josh, who's the quarterback, faced the franchise, all that stuff, chose his offensive coordinator. 
he basically handpicked Ken Dorsey. Whether you want to believe that or not, they brought Ken Dorsey back because that was going to be the thing, like, oh, we're going to keep this unit together. Lost Brian Dable, that was inevitable. He went to the New York Giants, got to a playoff, got a playoff appearance, won coach of the year. It was inevitable he was going to leave. But you keep that same philosophy there in Buffalo. And you get Joe Brady in from Carolina. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. Joe Brady did wonders at LSU. He sucked in Carolina because he had Matt Rule as a head coach. Like, shouldn't have gotten fired there. Got kind of thrown under the bus by Matt Rule. But Josh essentially was like, we want to keep this group together. So let's keep Ken Dorsey. But when Chad Hall's a free agent and about ready to leave, Diggs is wanting Chad Hall to stay, and they just let him go to Jacksonville. That's where I think the issue lies. I think not backing him in that aspect and going, we want the, we, I want you to keep this guy. You let Josh keep his guy. I want you to keep my guy. And you already see the frustration with Diggs building in regards to how the offense is working as the season progressed, and now you lose the guy that he trusted more than anybody on that entire staff. That's where I think the issue lies. I don't know how his relationship with Dorsey is. I don't know how his relationship with this new receiver coach is. Because this new receiver coach apparently has worked with a lot of great receivers. Worked with like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and a few others out there. So he's a good coach by all accounts. But he's not the guy Diggs wanted. And again, the frustration with the offensive staff already is a, a well, well documented to this point for Buffalo Bills fans out there. Because they were like, we're going to keep this. It's an in-house issue, I guess. But, like, from what Josh said, it's not football-related. Josh went into the press conference today. He was like, it's not football-related. Well, what the hell are we talking about then? Jo- Sean McDermott says it's in-house. Like, what? what is that? What are we talking about? I think this is what the big thing is. Because if you look at the roster, this Bills roster is the best roster they've had under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. This is the best roster they've had. Which is why I love the fact that everybody's doubting this team this year. This roster shits on the roster at this point last year. Like, you look at the pound-for-pound roster, it's better. Oh, it's way better. The offensive line's way better. And we thought the offensive line was fixed last year. The offensive line was shit again. (laughs) It was just a complete unit. That was a similar thing. We're going to try and keep the same group again. And it didn't work as a season winner. You brought in Roger Saffold. Everybody somehow swindled his way into a Pro Bowl. Don't know how the hell that happened. That shows the validity of the Pro Bowl, (laughs) doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. But I think this roster is good enough to win. But I think that's where the issue really lies. Because he can't get traded. He can't. If he does, then that's the dumbest move the Bills could have made. Because they can't afford to trade him. So, they'll get things sorted out. His agent said he's going to show up for work tomorrow. Which is fine. I hope he does. He was at a physical yesterday. So, hopefully this is all nothing. Water under the bridge will be fine. Because the way Josh talks about him, the way Von Miller talks about him, two veterans in the locker room, this is a guy you need. You need Stephon Diggs. You can't trade him. I don't know what it would be to cut him, but you can't cut him either. He's the greatest receiver in your franchise history. As sad as that may sound, he is. So hopefully they get everything they need to get figured out done before the season starts. Because I don't like the, the distractions going into a season never fare as well. Especially when your first game is against the Jets, a team that a lot of people out there really seem to like now because Aaron Rodgers is going there. So they just signed Adrian Amos today. I just saw that on Twitter a few hours ago. Or about an hour ago, I should say. But, man, I hate that that had to get brought up again. It really bothers me that it keeps coming up. And I'm not at anywhere near a doomsday level point right now. I was talking to my dad about it today. Nowhere near doomsday level, skies falling, all that stuff. 
but it's a anno- it's more annoying that it, it got brought. I thought I was done. I thought I was dead. I was perfectly fine with everything. I kind of forgot about it to be honest. But it got brought back up. So we'll see him tomorrow. Hopefully, that's the hope. And yeah, that'll hopefully be the end of it. And we'll talk about a Bill Super Bowl victory in a few months' time. Talk about them beating the Jets in a few months' time because we're ninety days away from Bill's football. Monday Night Football, first week of the year, first Monday Night Game of the year. That one I'm for sure about. <laughs> I wasn't sure about the Bills. Titans game being the first Monday night game. I am for sure about the Bills, Bills Jets being the first Monday night game. But it's exciting. Football around the corner, which is fun. But I want to bring this up too, because this involves the team Stefan Diggs was originally on, the Minnesota Vikings. I saw this on Twitter, and it really, really made me scratch my head. I got to try and find this thing. I remember the Twitter account, but I thought I took a screenshot of it. So I could try and find the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, okay, I found it. I did take a screenshot of it. So it's that awesome Twitter account, ML Football. We've made fun of this Twitter account before. And I... So, like, the first thing that started this off, current NFL player who's a Hall of Famer, question mark, someone who's underrated by most. You want to know who his player was, or their player was? Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is widely considered... I shouldn't say widely... Okay, no, widely considered to be a top two kicker in NFL history. So I was going to say widely considered to be the greatest, but I know there's a lot of people that love Adam Vinatieri, and that's fair. That's fair. But Justin Tucker is, everybody knows he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think you'd ask the question of anybody who says Justin Tucker's not a Hall of Famer. You are more likely to find, if you pulled like a room of 100 people, I bet, I I would be willing to bet there's more people that say Justin Tucker than Vinatieri at this point. I would say it's about 60-40. So that's, I'll start with Justin Tucker. And he puts in parentheses, not the underrated by most part, but a sure a Hall of Famer. No one's not said that. No one's ever not said that. And then the next person responded to this. I don't know if it's being satirical or not. Put freaking Aaron Donald. <laughs> I would, I'm hoping they're being satirical. Someone put Matt Stafford. Not a Hall of Famer. We brought that up before. Hall of very good. But this next one is where I've got the problem with. Well, there was another, he brought Lane Johnson. Yeah, Lane Johnson's a Hall of Famer. No doubt in my mind about that one. I'm perfectly content with saying Lane Johnson's a Hall of Famer. This one, though, this one, though, is Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins a Hall of Famer already? He's criminally underrated. There's a difference, and I hate when people do this because this is how people start these stupid shit on social media. Just because someone's a criminally underrated does not mean they're a Hall of Famer. And this is what I talked about earlier about comparing stats to people that back in the 60s, 70s. Because you look at some of the players that are in the Hall of Fame now. Like, let's look. Okay, what's Joe Montana's numbers compared to Kirk Cousins? What is Kirk Cousins' career passing yards total? I want to know his exact. Okay, 3,700 yards. Joe Montana has what? Not state, stats. Okay, Joe Montana has 40,000 passing yards. Kirk Cousins. This season will pass Joe Montana in passing yards. He's had 4,000-plus passing yards the last three seasons. He's passing Joe Montana in that. And the last, what, since 2015, he's passed for over 4,000 yards every year apart from one. He's passing Joe Montana in passing yards. So you cannot look at stats like that and go like, well, these stats are really good. Same thing, Matt Stafford's been brought up in that recently. I was like, just because he won a Super Bowl, now he's a Hall of Famer. No one ever considered Matt Stafford a Hall of Famer until he won a Super Bowl. That's not how that works. That's not like... There's Hall of Famer right there. There's Hall of Famer. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks that haven't won a Super Bowl that are a lot better than quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl. The main one that always sticks out to me is Dan Marino versus Trent Dilfer. 
Trent Dilfer has a Super Bowl ring, but that Super Bowl does not validify validate his entire career. It doesn't. He was ass his entire career. He got carried by one of the greatest events of all time. You look at how bad that offense was, but it still got a Super Bowl ring. Dan Marino is better than Troy Aikman. Jim Kelly's better than Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's got three Super Bowls, though. Like, Super Bowls are a good thing. Shows how great of a team you're on. But that's not the end-all, be-all for how great of a player someone was. It's important. You're an important player to a team. But you can't tell me with Dan Marino or Jim Kelly that they still wouldn't win those Super Bowls. With Emmett Smith, with Michael Irvin, with the receiver, who's completely escaping my mind right now. Alvin Harp, not is it Alvin Harper? One time in Tampa, the greatest offensive line of all time. Charles Haley, Deion Sanders, like, like come on, any court, any quarterback worth their snot is winning a Super Bowl with that team. <laughs> it's not. I'm not saying any quarterback. I'm not saying any quarterback. Like Nathan Peterman could win a Super Bowl with that team, but any quarterback that's worth it could win a Super Bowl with that. Kirk Cousins could win a Super Bowl with that team. But here's his numbers. He puts up his numbers here. I don't know why I need to look up Kirk Cousins' passing numbers because I see him right in front of me. Criminally underrated, so he's a Hall of Famer. Four-time Pro Bowler, which the if you're bringing up Pro Bowls for Hall of Fame arguments, you need to shut up because Trubisky has a Pro Bowl appearance. So let's X-nay that out right now. Let's stop that one. 3,700 passing yards, 2015 Most Improved Player. Oh, he won a Most Improved Player award. Hall of Famer in my book. 252 passing touchdowns, eight seasons with 25-plus passing touchdowns, fifth player ever. Yeah, that's impressive. I'll give him that one. I'll give him that one. 66.8% completion percentage, NFL completion percentage leader in 2015, the year he won the most improved player. Bart Starr Award. Maybe I'm ignorant to the fact I have no idea what that is. I don't know what the Bart Starr Award is. So I apologize for that. Uh, Tied for first in game-winning drives in single-season NFL history. Single season, which season? Most fourth quarter comebacks in a single season with eight. He has 3,200 completions, passer rating of 97.8, tenth in average passing yards per game. Led the Vikings to the biggest comeback in NFL history. Nice. Frank Reich did that before then. I don't see anybody banging the drum for Frank Reich. Kirk Cousins ranked sixth all time in completion percentage with at least 1,500 pass attempts, is eighth in NFL all time regular season career passing rate, passer rating. Is he underrated? Yes. I think he gets way too much hate. He gets way too much hate. I think he's a very solid quarterback. A very solid quarterback. I don't think he's anything like particularly special, but I think he's a good quarterback. Is he a Hall of Famer? Hell no. Hell no is Kirk Cousins a Hall of Famer. You wouldn't find... I say that I'm bringing this up a lot. Like You could find the most diehard of X fan. There, I will ask Jared to know this question. If they don't listen to this show, I will ask them this question. They will not say Kirk Cousins Hall of Famer. And Jared loves Kirk Cousins. Noah likes Kirk Cousins a lot. Jared has a Kirk Cousins jersey. I like Kirk Cousins. I don't think they would say Kirk Cousins is a Hall of Famer. I don't think they'd say that at all. I don't think anybody really out there would say that. And again, this is kind of how you gain attention in today's world with social media. You got to say something extremely outlandish that no one else believes. And then you get you get attention. So this has got what it was looking for and getting attention because I'm talking about it. Because it's that insane. I shouldn't say it. insane's a little crazy on my part. I do apologize for that. But it's not, he's not a Hall of Famer. No. He's a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. But there's reasons where people say they can upgrade the quarterback position. In the future. I'm not saying they need to right now, but they need to find someone eventually. Maybe Jaron Hall's that. I like Jaron Hall a lot. Liked him at BYU. So maybe he's that kind of guy. But we'll see. 
We'll see. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. Not, not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Because if you're letting Kirk Cousins in, then you're letting in, again, Matt Ryan, who has a better career than Kirk Cousins, won an MVP. You have Matt Stafford, who won a Super Bowl. Like, you've got, you're putting those two in then, which we're not doing anyways. So, it's a Hall of Fame. It's the Hall of Fame. We're letting in too many good players recently. Good player. You're a good player. Like, Chris Webber's not in the Hall of Fame in the NBA. He averaged 20 points a game. There's a little more stricter rules on that. And that one is just – and this is the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This is in the NFL Hall of Fame. So I've seen arguments for people like uh, – what the hell is his name? Herschel Walker going to the Hall of Fame because of what he did at the USFL. And obviously the biggest trade in NFL history, does that count for something? Because he's not in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of good players that aren't in the Hall of Fame, and that's fine. Phil Simms isn't in the Hall of Fame. Phil Simms has two Super Bowl rings. Now, granted, one of them he didn't play in because he was hurt. Jeff Hostetler has a Super Bowl ring. But he's not in the Hall of Fame either. Like, if you were comparing, like, I don't know. It, it's always really weird to say, like, bringing in Super Bowls for a quarterback's conversation because you got to bring in Eli Manning in this situation. But Eli Manning... For what he lacked, per se, in the regular season, that dude was clutch as hell in the playoffs. Insane in the playoffs. Two Super Bowl MVPs. It's not like he was a passenger for the Super Bowls either. Some of the biggest throws in NFL history were thrown by Eli Manning in those Super Bowls. And I don't think Eli Manning's an insane quarterback, but I think he's a very good quarterback. He's better than Kirk Cousins. But, man... I see people getting more upset that Kirk, Eli Manning's going to be in the Hall of Fame than Kirk Cousins being mentioned for that. And that's where we have to draw a little bit. That's where we have to have it start a dialogue, I guess. <laughs> Man. But if I had to name, like, a an underrated player, what was the criteria for that? The, the current NFL player who's a Hall of Famer, someone who's underrated by most. See, that's the problem. If you're in the – if you're thinking about someone for a Hall of Fame – then they're not underrated by most. Like you're, not, you're. If we're having this discussion, they're not really that underrated. If I had to name one though, because I don't know where that line draws at. I don't know. Like, I could be extremely biased to say like Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs, but like maybe Diggs. Like that'd be the one that I would look at right now. But I'm not. I don't want to say anybody on the Bills right now. Who else would I say is a Hall of Fame, like underrated Hall of Famer? I don't think those two are underrated in regards to uh, potential Hall of Fame candidacy. So I'm not. I shouldn't say them. I'm not gonna say them. Um. Oh. Um. You know what? I I gotta think about this. I gotta look at his his numbers real quick. I don't want to give anything away right now, but uh, I would I, – damn. If he could stay healthy, this is the problem, because I think we wouldn't even be having this conversation if he could stay healthy. I think that gives away – Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen. If I had to name one that I think is underrated by most, I don't hear him get talked about enough. Like, I'm starting to hear it more now that he's older, but prime Keenan Allen was a freaking problem. And he still is somewhat of a problem now, and the dude's, what, 31 years old. Got hurt a lot last year. If the Duke could stay healthy, I don't think we'd be having a conversation about him being in the Hall of Fame. I think he's a border. I think he's that, you know, underrated Hall of Famer, I guess. But I, it's hard to go like who's underrated Hall of Fame type thing. So you want to look at like offensive linemen 
that could go at some point. That's I think that's a fairly like you could tell who the great offensive linemen are, but I think that's what I'm gonna say. I think that's who I'm gonna say for now. I'm looking around for the rest. I want to look at like a bad team that might have someone really good on it that is just struggling right now, or a team that's struggling, but the player's really good. Uh, what was the standings last year? Let's look at the NFL standings. League standings. Let's look at the bottom tier teams. Anybody on the Bears? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Texans? Probably not. Cardinals? Probably not. Colts? I mean, Quentin Nelson? I don't really think he's underrated. Shaq Leonard? Maybe. You could look at him, possibly. Rams? Aaron Donald. Um, who else would be on the Rams? I can't think of anybody on the Rams right now. Broncos. I mean, Russell Wilson, he started to creep into that, that, uh, that discussion a little bit. He was once for sure a Hall of Famer. Now everybody started to question it a little bit. <laughs> it's question the validity of that. Raiders and Chandler Jones. I don't know if he's still on the Raiders, but he'd be in there. Falcons. What do the Falcons have that would be like? That level, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anybody right now. A young team, very young team. Saints, Cam Jordan, probably. Demario Davis, Marshawn Lattimore. Like they got some decent players. Kamara, they got some decent players. The Browns, I mean, they got good odds. Like Joel Petonio is definitely one you can mention up there. Amari Cooper, I guess that's someone you could potentially mention. I mean, like Miles Garrett. We know for sure. Denzel Ward, potentially, if he could stay healthy. Like, the Browns got a few on there. The Browns got a few on there. Panthers. I mean, McCaffrey. Brian Burns. We'll have to see how his career continues. But Titans. Derrick Henry. We already know that one. Is there anybody else in the Titans that I'm forgetting about? Not Tannehill. <laughs> Jets. I mean, we got Rodgers. Quinn and Williams, maybe. Eventually. I'm not saying now. Shouldn't say now. Anybody on the Jets? I mean, Garrett Wilson won Rookie of the Year this year. Brees Hall would have won Rookie of the Year if he stayed healthy. Packers, Jair Alexander. Is there anybody else? Bakhtiari. Uh, trying to think of other people that I could really na- – I'm, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, so I apologize for missing, like, any big-name players here. Patriots, I don't know if I mentioned him earlier, but Matthew Judon might be somebody that you mentioned right there. Matthew Slater. I saw something on Twitter the other day about Belichick talking about he coached the greatest offensive, defensive, and special teams player of all time was Brady, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and Matthew Slater. So Matthew Slater could have a a say in that, but then you'd have to put Steve Tasker in. So then you got to have that kind of – so maybe Matthew Slater could be mentioned in there. Bucks, I mean, Levante David, Devin White, who just requested a trade apparently. Mike Evans, we already know, should be a Hall of Famer. He's had 1,000 yards every single year of his career with some trash quarterbacks until Brady got there. Baker, <laughs> go Baker, uh, Ryan Jensen. I don't know, probably not Ryan Jensen, but I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking out loud at this point. Tristan Wirfs, Shaq Barrett, uh, Washington Commanders. It could be Chase Young if he actually was playing. People kind of forgot how good he was. The the, uh, the Panthers scored. Let's go. Two one, two one. We're in the second period now. Two one, pan, two one nights, but Panthers coming back. Then we've got Washington. Did I say anybody for Washington? They don't really have anybody, do they? I'm trying to think of all they have. 
Sam Howell, <laughs> he could be one. Ron Rivera, that, he might be a questionable. I mean, he's already in as a player, isn't he? I, has anybody gone into player and a coach? We'll have to see. Steelers, I mean, TJ Watt is the obvious one. Anybody else? Minka Fitzpatrick, there's another one. Lions. Lions right now. Anybody in the Lions right They're just really young. Lions are insanely young. But Aiden Hutchinson, maybe eventually. Uh, Seattle Steahawks. He's not there anymore, but Bobby Wagner was the the one I could think. The first one I thought of at the top of my head. I'm not saying Jamal Adams. Not saying Jamal Adams. DK, Tyler Lockett. He was he's been pretty underrated his entire career. But he's consistent as hell. Consistent as hell. So maybe Tyler Lockett and DK. Dolphins, they've got some decent players. You look at like Jalen Ramsey, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. As much as I don't like Jalen Ramsey, I have to respect the play. I I don't think he's like I don't do I think he's the best corner in the league? No. But I think he'll eventually be a Hall of Famer for stuff he has done up to this point. Then you've got Zay, Xavier Howard, probably be mentioned in there. You've got a Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill will be one. Jalen Waddle, maybe eventually. Who knows? Taron Armstead, maybe eventually. I don't know. They got some good players. And you got Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, maybe. He's the first one that pops out initially. Then Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen we mentioned in there. See, it's hard. I'm just trying to go off the top of my head here because it's just the best player that pops in your head. Giants, Daniel Jones. <laughs> Saquon, if he could stay healthy, would be one. Then we got the Ravens, Lamar. It's the obvious one. Odell Beckham. That one's going to be interesting. That Odell Beckham conversation will be very interesting because you look at early on his career, there ain't no doubt. But as this career progressed, it's kind of been a little bit of a different story. They have anybody? Who else do they get this offseason? Ronnie Stanley could be. If he was ever healthy, he'd definitely be mentioned in there. Chargers, we already brought up them. Cowboys, uh, Micah Parsons. Dexter Lawrence is an interesting one. Dexter Lawrence is an interesting one. That one could be an interesting conversation. Trayvon Diggs will be mentioned in there. Uh, the linemen that we've that have been brought, I mean, Tyrone Smith's still there, I guess. So he, Jason Peters, he's definitely one. And then you got the Bengals, I mean, Burrow, Chase, the obvious choices there. Then you got the Vikings, Kirk, no, Justin Jefferson, definitely be, definitely will be, definitely. Anybody else really on the Vikings that I could think of? There's probably one, like Harrison Smith, he's definitely one, but he's def, he's definitely one. I'm trying to think of like more obscure ones. Is there any, Xavier Rhodes would be an obscure one, but I don't, I never rated Xavier Rhodes. I never rated Xavier Rhodes that highly. So I, I'm not too high on Xavier Rhodes, but he could pass as one. Uh, 49ers, I mean, they got a lot of them, like Kittle, Warner, Chris McCaffrey, Samuel, Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner. I guess we could have brought him up for the Colts. And then Brock Purdy, obviously. But they got a lot of them. And then, uh, uh, Trent Williams, don't know how I got to him last. He's probably one of the one of the greatest tackles of all time. Bills, Allen, Diggs. I mean, Von Miller's guaranteed. We already know that one. One of the greatest defenders of all time. Trey White could get there. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer could definitely get there. And then you got the Eagles. You got Kel- Jason Kelsey. You've got Lane Johnson, definitely. Brandon Graham would be an interesting conversation. Darius Slay, interesting conversation. They got, did I mention Jalen Hurts? I don't know if I mentioned him or not. But A.J. Brown, if he keeps going, maybe. And then you got the Chiefs, like Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones. Is there others that are big names? Creed Humphrey will probably be a Hall of Famer at the end of his career. 
He's already the best center in the NFL, so he's, he probably will be a Hall of Famer. It just checks out, doesn't it? But I think those are your probable Hall of Famers for each for each team. I think those are what you classify as <laughs> those are your Hall of Famers for each team. I did see an article was like predicting the next GOAT in the NFL on ESPN. I did see that, which is like the NFL GOATs, nine players have become the GOATs of position, like Mahomes at quarterback. Like these are more obvious ones. The wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, yeah. Jerry Rice, current GOAT. Tight end, Tony Gonzalez, they have him as the GOAT. Travis Kelsey, obviously the next one. Guard, they have uh, John Hanna, Bruce Matthews, Randall McDonald. Randall Randall McDaniel, sorry. Oh, Zach Martin. I forgot Zach Martin. Yeah, of course Zach Martin. I forgot to mention him completely at the Cowboys. I was thinking Travis Frederick. But he, Travis Frederick's also up there, too. But Travis Frederick's the one that retired. Then Ed Rusher, Lawrence Taylor, and then you got Micah Parsons. Yeah, we already brought up him. And then chances will end. Car- they got Bosa. Their defensive tackle, Aaron Donald's already the current GOAT. Next active is Aaron Donald. Kicker. They have Adam Vinatieri on there as the kicker, but I again, it's between Tucker and Vinatieri. It's kind of a two-horse race at this point. There's other good kickers. There's other good kickers out there, like like Sebastian Janikowski. Great kicker. I just saw the thing that was best NFL nicknames. And Legatron. Was that Leg? No, Legatron was Greg... Was Greg Zerline's Legatron. Greg Zerline. The two bald dudes. I, I couldn't remember. I, Legatron is... Is Greg Zerline, isn't it? Not Sebastian. But best NFL nickname ever. The ones they give like Primetime, Broadway Joe, Honey Badger, Sweetness, Megatron, Playmaker, Legatron, Mean for Joe Green, Nigerian Nightmare, Beast Mode in the Fridge. The best one's Primetime. Best one's Primetime. That one's easily the best. I love that nickname. Primetime. Sweetness is a really good one too. The Fridge. The Nigerian Nightmare is a, Nightmare's a good one because there's a lot of people like, I say a lot, but there's more... I see more, like, nightmare or Nigerian nightmares out there post Krishna Koye than I do the other nicknames. Like, I don't see any other Honey Badgers. I don't see any other Sweetness. I don't see other Megatron. Megatron's a great name, too. But I don't... You don't see that nickname. Beast Mode's a great one. Bill's Legend. Marshawn Lynch Beast Mode. Is there anyone on here that's not on this list that is a great nickname? I like Jets for Justin Jefferson. That's a good one. What other ones are there, though? The Sheriff for Peyton Manning, I think, is a good one. The Gunslinger for Brett Favre, that's a good one. But there's there's a lot of good I think Prime Time's the best nickname ever. I think Prime Time's the best nickname of all time. But we were talking about awards. We're talking about goats. I didn't mean to go to the, the nickname thing. That kind of just popped up, and I was like, oh, Janikowski. And I thought Legatron, but that's not Janikowski. That's Greg Zerline. But I saw this on Twitter. I got this sent to me by Noah. We brought it before. It, it's a, a preseason Heisman list. This guy named Don Thomas, his Twitter is at real Don Thomas. I don't know how much he believes this. I don't know how much he believes this post. But my 2023 Heisman Trophy finalist as of today, Caleb Williams. Pretty unanimous. He should be the odds-on favorite to go back-to-back. Second-ever person to ever go back-to-back in the Heisman race. Jordan Travis from Florida State. We've talked about Florida State and how their offense should explode this year. They're supposed to have a really good team. They got a lot of good weapons around Jordan Travis this year. Very talented quarterback. They played really well last year. You'd expect them to carry momentum into this season because the ACC is a relatively weak conference. Blake Corum should have been a Heisman finalist this year. Played great. Got hurt later in the season. Missed out on the Heisman ceremony, but put up great numbers. Had like 1,400 yards last year. And the last one, Kate McNamara. Yes, I'm not. I'm not joking. I am not joking. You can go on this guy's Twitter account. I I know I'm an Iowa fan. 
talked a lot about McNamara this offseason, but this dude really had McNamara in the Heisman finalist. I respect it. I respect it because you can't even go like this one's the crazy one because it's McNamara. Like, Kirk Cousins is a widely discussed quarterback in the NFL. Everybody knows Kirk Cousins. Everybody, I know there's a difference between the NFL and college football because there's there's 32 starting quarterbacks, and then there's, what, 132 starting quarterbacks in college, so I understand that. But you hear a lot of people bitching or praising Kirk Cousins a lot on Twitter. I'd never seen anybody apart from Iowa fans recently talk about Cade McNamara. Even when he was starting for Michigan when they went to the college football playoff and they won the Big Ten when they first beat Ohio State at Michigan, like, no one was talking about Cade McNamara because they had Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, Daxton Hill. Like, they had Hassan Haskins. They had Blake Corum. Like, they had a great team. No one talked about Cade McNamara. So you can't even say this one's, like, growing crazy before the clicks because no one outside of Iowa fans or Michigan fans knows really who Cade McNamara is. And I like Cade McNamara. I've talked about him again. I've talked about him before. I think he's a solid option. He's the antithesis of what you had. He doesn't have as strong of an arm as Petrus, but he's smarter by accounts of football intelligence. I don't know how smart they are, like, comparatively IQ-wise, but football IQ, I would put that of McNamara. He never looks flustered. He won't do anything that necessarily, oh, he's going to put the team on his back and they're going to win games. But he's going to do things that help your team win more than Petrus did. He'll make the smart decisions. He won't turn the ball over. Everything you want from a University of Iowa quarterback is what Cade McNamara is. Iowa does nothing flashy. They haven't done anything flashy my entire freaking life, apart from Brad Banks' years. That's been it. They At the quarterback position, they are not flashy. C.J. Beathard was the next one that you could say they did some flashier things because he could move. But for the most part, Tate could move too. But they never really went out of their way to call plays for them to run the ball. Like, I saw C.J. Beathard dive over people against Indiana to get in the end zone at the pylon. It was one of the greatest pictures of all time for the University of Iowa. But McNamara is the antithesis. He is what you look for for a quarterback if you're the University of Iowa. He fits what you want to do. And the guy, I give again, I give him credit. I give him credit. He posted again about this thing. Like, he doubled down on it. He went, So he went on a... He posted a pic. This is where then I started to question the, the validity of this whole thing. Hold on. Wait, not that one. There's one I wanted to say before that one. Where is it? Because there... I, there was one other post I saw of his that made me put something different. Or was it just this comment section? Okay, it was just the comment section, I think. But... I, someone responded to him, and rightfully so. I can't. I think they're a Michigan fan. Yeah, they're a Michigan fan. Nate Lewis said, "How can you? How you got Cade over the QB that beat him out and made him transfer? You have to make this make it make sense, bro." I don't always agree with that. I don't always agree with that because I could say definitively, though a lot of people don't like Will Levis, I could say definitively that he is better than uh, Sean Clifford. I'm fairly well aware of that being factual. You can dis. You could. Discuss that being different. I'm fairly convinced that I was surprised Sean Clifford got drafted. Like, that was the difference. I was expecting Will Levis to get drafted. I had no freaking idea that Sean Clifford was going to get drafted. I completely forgot he was available in this draft, to be completely honest with you. Completely forgot about him. Like, just because one quarterback was a starter over another one doesn't mean they're better. But in this situation, there is, you know, 
It's not always the same thing. Correlation does not equal causation. I hope I'm using that right. <laughs> but it doesn't always mean that's true. J.J. McCarthy is better than K. McNamara. He is better than K. McNamara. That's a situation where you're not. there's loyalty involved. With the Sean Clifford thing, there was loyalty involved. With the McNamara situation with J.J. McCarthy, you just went with a better guy. That was the situation. Everything Michigan wanted to do on offense to elevate it, they went with McCarthy because McCarthy could do things that McNamara couldn't do in regards to running the ball, in regards to his arm strength and stuff like that. McCarthy, to, uh, the Knights just scored again. Great goal, but God damn! Looks like we're getting a first Knights Stanley Cup. It is only the second period. Panthers came back in game four, so uh, they didn't win, but they, they made it a close game. They made it a close game. But 3-1, 9-32 left in the second. Um, where was they even at? Where was they at? Just overall, McCarthy could elevate Michigan's offense. I was not looking to elevate their offense. They never have. Never have looked to elevate the offense. At, at least at the quarterback position. They've looked at it at other positions. The quarterback position, they just want someone steady. That's all they need. Michigan was trying to go past that. Iowa accepted that. Now, my boy Don responded, said, J.J. can absolutely get there, but I'm not sure he'll have the numbers to do so because of the offense he plays in and the, the coach he plays for. Michigan could throw the ball 10 times or less and win 10 out of the 12 games with the run game. So he's talking about McCarthy there. And that's fair. Michigan is a run-first offense. But I don't think we should be talking about the validity of someone being a Heisman candidate and someone not being by comparing the offense as one of them plays for Iowa. I don't think that I don't think you can bring that up. Then Teddy responded. The first sentence absolutely disqualifies Cade for the same reasons you disqualify JJ. Yeah. That yeah, I didn't even see that comment, but yeah, that completely disqualifies Kate because you're bringing up Michigan's offense, which is factually better. Yes, they'll run the ball a lot because they got two great running backs and no real, like, oh, the, oh I thought the Knights just scored again. No, like, legit, legit options out wide. Like, guys, you look to a guy, that's a star right there. For Michigan standards, you know their running backs are good. Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, two really good running backs. Their offensive line's very good. They're built to run the football. So they've been the they've won back to back Big Ten championships doing this. They played well against TCU, almost got against the final against Georgia. Maybe they would have played better than TCU did against Georgia. I don't know if there was anything they could really do to make it different, but who knows? They played they beat Ohio State, who played Georgia really tough. So, oh, they almost scored again. But then, dude, doubles down again, doubles down again. He says Iowa's building their offense around Cade. What the hell does that even mean? Iowa's offense is not going to get built around anybody. It's not. It never has, never will. Iowa for the, uh, the... There's the Knights' fourth goal. That one was easy. There's the fourth one. But uh, Iowa will never build their offense around one specific person. That When that happens, that'll be the next coach. It ain't going to be well Kirk's there. The offense in the Iowa organization is just team-oriented. It's not about one individual person. They've never been about it. You look at the best teams Iowa's had throughout my lifetime, there's never been that one like main, main star player on offense. You've had really good offensive players. Like Apart from the offensive line, we're counting skill players here. They're not building shit around Cade McNamara. You're gonna run. Cade McNamara is perfect for Iowa's offense. He's perfect for Iowa's system. They're not building the system around McNamara. That's not factually correct at all. And then dude responded, Slay... His, as Darth Slay said, uh, Iowa doesn't play offense. <laughs> it's fair. Fair. And that's the most liked post out of all of these things. 
Apart from the first one with the dude saying, how can you take Cade over the guy that beat him? And then my boy John said, hey, now, let's at least be factual. We do play offense. We just prefer to let our special teams defense play more. <laughs> but then I was like, okay, this is kind of a crazy hill to die on. I'm an Iowa fan. I should be as excited to get Cade McNamara or at least another quarterback as anybody. But, again, it's more of getting another quarterback. It's not really – I like Cade McNamara, but it's not about, oh, dude, we got freaking – I don't know who's transferred recently. Um, Who's transferred and been – I mean, apart from Joe Burrow. Apart from Joe Burrow. But, like, who was good at the last college and transferred? Um, Ah, crap. Who, who could I – we got Caleb Williams. We got Caleb Williams. We got Spencer Rattler for talent purposes. Like, we got this guy. You got Cade McNamara. He's solid. Solid quarterback, but no one seared when the when the Chiefs got Alex Smith. No one was like, "Dude, we got Alex Smith." They might have done that because they had Matt Castle. That's the that's the thing here. When your expectations are so low, you'll be excited for anybody. But in a normal circumstances, in normal circumstances, you're not cheering like you got Alex Smith. You're like, "I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I'm relatively cool with that. It's way better than what we had." And then dude double down again. And then this is where I've kind of like given up on the validity of this guy's story. Because the dude took a picture with McNamara wearing a sweatshirt that says McNamara on it. This is where I've got the problems here. He said, I want to I want to welcome all the new Iowa fans to my Twitter. Y'all are going to love Cade McNamara in all caps love. He's everything you can want in a QB. Leadership, toughness, a winner, and a consummate teammate. One of the best kids I know. I'll see y'all at Kenick this fall. So is this his agent or something? I guess I've never even looked that up. Is Don... Don Thomas, is that his agent? I wouldn't be surprised. He's got a sweatshirt with, it says McNamara, and has uh, the outline of Cade McNamara on his shirt, on his sweatshirt. He's got to be an agent, right? He's got to be. Like, there's no way that this, it. I got to find this thing. That, where's that picture? I got to see the comments on here. He, there was one thing that I saw that said, um, that saw he was comparing all the other Iowa quarterbacks to Cade McNamara. I don't, where is it at? I don't remember what it was a comment to. Who's your number two? What is this? If you had to root for another team in your team's conference. Oh, so he's a Michigan fan. He's a Michigan fan. Or he's just a Cade McNamara fan. Because he's posting all these things about Michigan. And then Quinn Ewers or J.J. McCarthy, and he said easy peasy with J.J. McCarthy. I don't know if it's easy peasy. I like both of them, but I don't know if it's easy peasy. Where is the... Okay, what, uh, yeah, this is... I don't. And this is the same guy. I don't think there's one player in the country that has more God-given talent than J.J. McCarthy. I mean, Caleb Williams is a lot of God-given talent. I'd probably say Caleb Williams is number one on there. A Heisman Trophy, national title, number one overall pick in the 2020 draft, all possibilities for him. No, not not number one pick. I think that one's just been locked up to Caleb Williams. Like Trevor Lawrence, the same thing. Locked up. I'm interested to see his growth this fall. I like J.J. McCarthy. I like J. I'm, if he If he lives up to what he can be, then yeah, I think. Oh, there it is. I found it. I've. Oh, it got moved up my camera roll. I didn't realize he posted just a picture of Brad Banks. A Kirk Ferentz coached quarterback has been in the Heisman, Brad Banks. He finished ha- – oh, I thought he was uh, – never mind. A, a Kirk Ferentz coached quarterback has been in the Heisman, 
Brad Banks, he finished runner-up to winner Carlson Palmer. Should have won the Heisman. Let's say that. Banks, Tate, Stanzi, Stanley, etc. When Iowa has a strong quarterback play, has had strong quarterback play over the years, they're tough to beat. I stand by what I said yesterday. Um, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. And maybe it's because I haven't seen him play with Iowa yet. But I've seen him play with Michigan. Apart from Stanley, I don't think McNamara is better than Tate, Stanzi, and Tate. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's up there with those guys yet. I've never, I've never been the biggest fan of Nate Stanley, anyways. So I, I shouldn't judge now. I'm interested what the comment says on this point. Yeah, but I don't. I was just a tough team to beat, anyways, and it's they they were tough to beat last year, and they had an offense that rivaled that of New Mexico State. They had a passing offense that rivaled that of Navy. That's not factual. I shouldn't say that like it's factual, but it basically you bet you might as well have been running a triple option offense the way they passed the ball because they it didn't look like they've ever passed the ball in their entire lives. But I don't that you I was just hard to beat. They were hard to beat with Jake Rudock at quarterback. They were hard to beat with James Vandenberg that first year. Like they're a hard team to beat in general just because of how the foundations laid. It's not to do with the quarterback spot. They've been elevated some like when Brad Banks was there. They went from an like a they slowly were building the thing. They had Nate Chandler at quarterback, then Brad Banks came after that, then Tate came after that, and, and then Christensen. They were still tough to beat then until they played Western Michigan, but now <laughs> and they weren't tough to beat at all. But I don't I don't like how this dude's throwing McNamara around. Like I, I like McNamara. I can't. I gotta keep reiterating that. If Caden McNamara wins the Heisman this year, I'll get his face tatted on my ass. And the dude said, I'll hold you to that. I'll, you know what? I'll hold him to that too. There ain't no way he wins the Heisman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's it mostly, to be 100% honest, it doesn't really have to do with anything with McNamara. It's the style of offense Iowa runs. If Iowa runs this offense, which is what they've, it's Iowa, he's not got the athletic ability of Brad Banks. Brad Banks was the anomaly. Stansy wasn't a Heisman finalist. Stan, Tate wasn't a Heisman finalist. Stanley, you brought him up, wasn't a Heisman finalist. Bethard wasn't a Heisman finalist. The two best teams in my lifetime, for the or three best teams in my lifetime for the University of Iowa had Banks, Stanzi, and Tate, or Banks, Stanzi, and Bethard at quarterback. Only one of them has been a Heisman finalist. And the other quarterback play was really good those years, but you wouldn't say they were complete, they were absolutely world beaters. They just need to play consistent. That's what those guys did. And even Stanzi at that time wasn't even that consistent yet. They had the fourth quarter of Stanzi time because that was like his time to shine. No, Stefan Diggs posted something. I'd just be letting people cap if them lies help you sleep better. Tell them big dog. Okay. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know. I don't know who big dog is. Some people are speculating. What is this? What is this post saying? Please don't be about Josh. My guts, McDermott for the very concerned comment. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like I said before, it was way overreactionary based off what I've read before I saw that. And then I think Adam Schefter posted it. Who's going to be the most exciting QB of college football this year? I mean, it's I would bet it's Caleb Williams. Could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, but I, my money would be on Caleb Williams, the guy who just won the Heisman. But we'll fill you in on the Stefan Diggs stuff. But Cade McNamara won the Heisman. I mean, I'd be for it. That'd be really freaking cool. Cade McNamara won the Heisman Trophy. But I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. It, it could be wrong. Could be wrong. And uh, we're going to end the show here shortly. It's already been a decently long show anyways, but 
I want to talk about some of the, a few other things here. Some football, some not. College football mascot tier list. Saw this on Twitter yesterday. Tier one was Bevo, whatever the hell. The Mike the Tiger, LSU's mascot, the real tiger, not the mascot tiger. The duck, not Robo Duck, which would be tier one. The other duck, and Sparty, the Spartan. Tier two, we got Brutus, the Buckeye, the Gators. I don't know what their official names are. The Buffalo from Colorado. The Seminole from Florida State, the Alabama mascot, and the Hurricane. What what is that thing called? It's got some specific name. It's not a duck. I, I don't know what that thing's called. But uh, tier three, we see Herky the Hawk. I think if you now this could be again me being naive to all this fact. If I don't know the name of your mascot, you can't be in the tier top tiers. And I'm an Iowa fan. I grew up in the state of Iowa, so I also know Cy. I know KC or no TC and TK. Uh, but you and I, Tom Cat and Tom, the Knights scored again, 5-1. Okay, congratulations to the Knights on winning the Stanley Cup. Nice job. Mark Stone again, 5-1. Sick. But I know TK, TC, Tom Cat, Tom Kitty. I know, what was the Drake Bulldog's name? He had a name. Spike. I know Spike. Willie P. Down in Oskaloosa. Lord knows the Granby's mascot is. Who cares anyways? But the best mascot in college football, I mean, it's the Oregon Duck. It's the Duck. And I'd put Miami's mascot up there as well. I don't remember what it's called. It's a specific it's a specific name. But if I'm using like what I used to do back in the old NCAA football days, I that Syracuse orange needs to be up higher as well. Because I use that son of a bitch all the time in the old NCAA football games mascot mode. Syracuse orange. And the tree from Stanford. And the tree from Stanford. Oh crap, where did this go? And then uh, best uniforms in each call in college football. The number one's Oregon. No. Oregon's got some good uniforms, but some ass uniforms. Texas number two. No. Penn State, three. No. And I don't dislike any of these uniforms, but Notre Dame, four. Possibly. Michigan, five. Possibly. LSU, possibly. Ohio State, possibly. Auburn, I don't know what Auburn's doing there. Alabama, no. Alabama, I I like the classics. I like the classics. If I had to say my favorite college football uniform, from last year, the one that popped my head straight away was Ole Miss's camo helmets. They wore against Kentucky. I think that was the helmets they wore against Kentucky. Those those blue uniforms Ole Miss has, the baby blue ones, those things are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But I like Notre Dame's. I like Michigan's uniforms as well. So I have no issues with that. I, I like some of Oregon's uniforms. USC's uniforms need to be on here too. But man. And then this one, uh, the XFL lost upwards of $60 million last se- this season. Uh, yeah, obviously. No one cares. We've said this before the season started. No one cares. I don't, at least I don't care. Never cared about the XFL. I stopped caring after the first rendition of it. This, I guess the second rendition of it. I don't care about it anymore. I'm done seeing the XFL. I'm done seeing the USFL. I'm done seeing all of it. And then uh, we stick to final two things on soccer. Uh, Inter Miami is now the fifth most followed American sports team on IG. Behind the Warriors, Lakers, Cavaliers, Bulls. Which if you would have told me the top four most followed sports teams in America were basketball teams. I would have called you crazy. But the the Warriors have 30 million followers. Lakers got 22. Cavs got 15. Bulls got damn near 10. And then Inter Miami just passed eight with Lionel Messi signing. So for those of you who don't know soccer or know Lionel Messi, that's the pull Lionel Messi has just on his own. So the, we're going to see the GOAT here in a little bit, which is just insane to think about. And then we've got the United States Gold Cup roster just got announced the other day, and uh, it's disappointing, to be 100% honest with you. I don't, like, terribly mind it, 
because I know there's a lot of teams over in Europe that have preseasons that some people are obligated to go to, but it's, I thought this was going to be a strong squad. I was building in my mind this was going to be a strong team, and it's just not. It's just not. Now, Matt Turner's there. Gaga Slonina's there, who I would love to see be the starter, but it's going to be Matt Turner. But I, and I'm obviously it's going to be Matt Turner. I'm not saying like, oh, it's, it's going to be Matt Turner. Like when Brad Guzan was there back at, Back in the day, like, oh, it's going to be Prakazan or David Bingham. It's going to be, like, one of those things. Like, Brett Turner is by far the best goal the United States has. So, I'm not saying, like, it's a bad thing. And then Sean Johnson's there as well. But, Gaga, I'm interested to see how he does. He's supposed to be the next great American goalie. So, I'm intrigued to see how he does, if he plays in this tournament at all. Defenders, Dewan Jones, I I don't know why he keeps getting called up. I'm sorry. I, do, I don't get it. I don't get it. Same with Aaron Long. I don't get it. Greg Berolder's done. I don't get it. Matt Miazga, I forgot about him until I watched an FC Cincinnati versus NYCFC game last week or two weeks ago. Completely forgot he existed. Completely forgot he existed. I remember how hyped he was when he was with the Red Bulls, went over to Chelsea, and that's been it. And then his, his best thing after that is calling the dude on Mexico short. That was it. Uh, Jalen Neal. Then we got Brian Reynolds, who I also kind of forgot about, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Miles Robinson, get him back to fitness. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, John Tolkien. Then we got DeAndre Yedlin. I don't want to see DeAndre Yedlin here. I'm done with DeAndre Yedlin. I'm done with Chris Long. I'm done with... De- Dewan Jones only played two games, but he never plays. He came... One of those games was because he came in for an injured uh, Walker Zimmerman in the United States-Canada game in the Gold Cup last time because I was there. Midfielders, Busio. Now, if you look at Busio there, Taylor Tessman's not there. And if you're looking at how they did for Venezia last season, or this past season, Taylor Tessman should be in this squad. If you're putting Busio in, Taylor Tessman should be in the team. But I love Gianluca Busio. Sporting Kansas City guy. I have his jersey. I watched him down in Kansas City. Love love the dude. I'm excited to see him back in the squad. But you got to put him in. If, if you're putting him, you got to put Tessman in. Uh, Jordy Mihailovic. I'm excited to see what he can do for the United States. Uh, Aiden Morris. Uh, Christian Roldan. Done with Christian Roldan. Ready to see it. James Sands. I mean, versatility-wise, sure. But does he have a future? I don't know. Uh, Alan Sonora. Also in the squad forwards, we got Cade Cole, who I'm excited to see. Intrigued to see what he does. Jesus Ferreira. I know a lot of people are done with Jesus Ferreira. Julian Gressel. Don't know. Okay. Uh, Jordan Morris. Again, done with Jordan Morris. Brandon Vasquez, I guess. I'm excited to see what Vasquez can do. And then uh, Alex Andejas, who is the only real forward I'm excited to see. So I, I wish this was a little bit stronger squad. I'm not saying it has to be like, it has to be Pulisic. Musa, McKinney, uh, who else? Tyler Adams. It has to be Brennan Aronson. It's got to be all these guys. No, I'm not saying that, but I thought it'd be a little bit stronger than this. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. The thing is, though, with the Gold Cup, this is a roster good enough to win the Gold Cup, which is sad because the Gold Cup's not really that great. And like, it's different than qualifying because the United States isn't traveling anywhere. There, it's in the United States. So they don't need to travel to like Honduras or Costa Rica and play in these insanely hostile environments that some of these players aren't used to. So this squad is definitely... If you were playing these types of games, like you were playing in Honduras, Panama, Costa Rica, all these different places, it'd be a little different. It'd be a little bit different feel for the roster. But because this this, this tournament's always the United States, it's a winnable... So they won it with a weaker squad last year, which we expected a weaker squad last year, but or last Gold Cup. I wasn't expecting it this year. We have no tournament on the horizon. The World Cup's not until 2026. So I was like, this is going to be the strong squad. And it's not. Because they feel the strong squad 
uh, two Gold Cups ago, when they came second to Mexico, the Knights just score again. They score again. Their hands are in the air, but no one's signaling anything. Are we going to have six? Is it going to be six-one? There's a the puck's in the back of the net. Are they calling the goal though? Are we having six-one here, Knights? I think they're calling six-one Knights with 1.2 seconds left in the second period. There's a goal. Okay, so we got six-one Knights. Sick. Well, good thing you 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 played hard without your best player in Florida. Maybe Matty Chuck saw it on the right. Saw the writing on the wall. Was just like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. But. This again, this this roster is good enough to win the gold cup, but it's not a roster that anybody wanted to see, especially with the World Cup two years away. Three years away. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna watch every game, obviously, because I love watching the, the United States play, regardless of how good the squad is. They're playing the Nations League this week as well. So we'll see how that one goes. They play Mexico on Thursday. So thumbs up for that one. So yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's the United States. I'll watch it. It's just not the squad I thought it was. But uh, that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. Did you know, fun fact, there's never been a guy in the NBA that wore number 69 before? Didn't know that until the other day. NBA numbers I've never worn before. 69 is one of them. Crazy. But that's all I've got for you today. do hope you enjoyed the show. And not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. Again, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the main ones, of course. You can go to LoganBlackmanShow.com. Check out a bunch of links on there as well. And, yeah, I've been Logan Blackman. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your week. See you again very soon. Peace.